This podcast includes content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. 911, what is your emergency? Hi, my daughter just uh, texted me from school. She's at Stoneman Douglas, Mar- Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in Parkland, and she says there's an active shooter. And she says she's behind the desk right now, but the shots were close. The shots were close to her? Yes, yeah. she- close to her. Okay, just. Uh- she, she, she's behind the desk. Columbine High School, Virginia Tech, Santa Fe High School, Sandy Hook Elementary School. These names now sadly have a place in history as schools where mass shootings have occurred. These tragedies seem to have all two similar characteristics. They usually involve a lone gunman, in Columbine's case there were two, who is either a current student or a former student of the school, and they're usually either a teenager or a young adult. These incidents have been analyzed by psychologists as they try to narrow down the causes and who is at risk at becoming violent in schools and how we can intervene before thoughts turn into physical actions. Reed Malloy, a forensic psychologist, notes that most of the shooters have led difficult lives and struggle with psychological problems, that there have been multiple failures in their lives. Many are depressed, paranoid, or become desperate and most never get treatment for their illnesses. Feelings of social rejection also play a role. Many of the perpetrators have been bullied or rejected by their peers. When they feel that there is nowhere to turn or no one to turn to, not even their own families, their feelings of desperation can often turn to anger and feelings of revenge. This is when they begin to fantasize about other similar crimes and look to violence as a way to solve their problems. Sue Klebold, Dylan Klebold, one of Columbine Shooter's mother, spoke to NPR in regards to the signs she missed as a parent, and I quote, The piece that I think I failed in is, we tend to underestimate the level of pain that someone may be in. We all have a responsibility to stop and think. Someone we love may be suffering. Maybe in a crisis. Although some may have missed the warning signs and red flags of these dangerous individuals, in this episode we'll be discussing a case where the signs were noticed, where the potential for violence was brought to the attention of authorities, and yet tragically no one was able to prevent what was to become the deadliest high school shooting in United States history. On September 24, 1998, Nicholas Cruz was born in Margate, Florida. He was adopted when he was just three days old by Roger and Linda Cruz. Linda was a stay-at-home mom and Roger was in marketing. The couple wasn't young. Roger was 61 and had four children from a previous relationship, and Linda was nearly 50, but the couple had always wanted children. The family lived in a large home in Parkland, Florida. Parkland is an affluent city of about 25,000 people that lies in the Miami Metroplex and is approximately 50 miles north of the city of Miami. The city itself is described as being park-like due to its zoning laws limiting the amount of stores and traffic lights. Just two years later, Nicholas's brother Zachary was born, and the Cruises adopted him as well as they wanted a biological sibling for Nicholas. 
The boys have different biological fathers, but the same mother. Both boys were a result of a one-night stand, and their biological mother had a criminal and drug abuse history. When Nicholas was four years old, he was tested and was diagnosed to be developmentally delayed, resulting in placement in special education for most of his life. On August 11, 2004, when Nicholas was just six years old, his adopted father, Roger Cruz, passed away at the age of 67, leaving Linda to raise the two boys as a single mother. It appeared that from the moment he started school, Nicholas had disciplinary issues. When he reached middle school, his troubles continued, and in August 2012, he was suspended for getting into a fight at West Glades Middle School. During the 2013 school year, he received 26 disciplinary incidents, averaging about three per month. Therapists thought Nicholas could have had autism, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and he was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. He never learned to drive, but he did ride a bike. His mother believed he would never be able to live on his own because of the mental difficulties that he had. In January of 2013, Linda Cruz got into an altercation with Nicholas where he threw her against a wall because she took away his Xbox. Linda called 911, and when a Broward County Sheriff responded to the call at their home, she told the deputy that her son had anger issues and ADHD, but she said that he didn't threaten to harm her or himself. Nicholas changed schools six times over a three-year period as he dealt with disciplinary issues. In the eighth grade, he left West Glades Middle School and enrolled at a school that offered psychiatric and other clinical services on campus. In 2014, he was transferred to Cross Creek School, a school for students with emotional learning disabilities or behavioral problems. Two years later, in his sophomore year, Nicholas left Cross Creek School and enrolled in Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. During his high school years, he had intentions of joining the military, so he became a member of the Junior Reserve Officers Training Corps and received multiple awards. He was also a member of the school's air rifle team. During that same year, Florida Department of Children and Families investigated him for posts that he made on Snapchat in which he cut both of his arms and said he planned to buy a gun. A school resource officer made the suggestion that he undergo an involuntary psychiatric examination and two guidance counselors agreed to the exam, but a mental institution did not. Social media was a large part of Nicholas's life and he was active on YouTube, Snapchat, and Instagram. He'd often post photos of himself with various weapons, shotguns, knives, pistols, or photos of himself wearing bulletproof vests. He would also post extremist and racist slurs, threats that he would kill people, threats against police officers, and even referenced an intent to copy the University of Texas tower shooting. One of Nicholas's neighbors, whose son said that Cruz posted a picture of himself on Instagram with guns stating that he planned to shoot up the school, anonymously reported the post to Broward County Sheriff's Office. The Sheriff's Office forwarded the information to Stoneman Douglas School's resource officer. The Sheriff's Office received two reports on September 2016 that Nicholas was trying to hurt himself. Apparently, he'd ingested gasoline and was cutting himself, 
in an attempt to commit suicide. After consulting with a mental health clinician, they confirmed that he did not need to be held under the Baker Act. The Baker Act is a Florida law that enables families and loved ones to provide emergency medical health services and temporary detention for people who are impaired because of their mental illness and who are unable to determine their needs for treatment. Just eight hours later, the sheriff's office received yet another call to Nicholas's home that he was hurting himself again and mentioned buying a gun. During that same month, the Florida Department of Children and Families opened a case on Nicholas and cited medical neglect, describing him as a vulnerable adult due to mental illness. The case noted that Nicholas planned to purchase a gun, but it wasn't known what the gun was going to be used for. Just two months later, the Department of Children and Families closed their case on Cruz and stated that he suffered from depression, ADHD, and autism, and that the final level of risk is low, and noted that he took medication regularly and kept his appointments. When he turned 18 and was a junior at Stoneman, Cruz was involved in an assault at Stoneman Douglas and met with school specialists, along with his mother, as his grades and disciplinary problems were continuing to be an issue. The specialist recommended that Cruz transfer to a different school, Cross Creek in Pompano Beach, which he had attended previously and done very well. Since he was close to graduating at Stoneman, he decided to stay so he can graduate with his class. The specialist told him that if he stayed on, they could no longer give him access to special education services, which apparently was inaccurate. He still could have continued to have those services. But it was only a few months after this meeting that he left Stoneman as his grades were continuing to fail. He asked to be admitted to Cross Creek, but they advised him that a new assessment was needed, which delayed the process. So Nicholas ultimately enrolled in a general education development program where he could finish up his high school education and receive his high school diploma. To make extra money, he also obtained a part-time job at a local dollar store. Being 18 years old, he now had the ability to legally purchase weapons. On February 11, 2017, Nicholas walked into the Coral Springs gun store, Sunrise Tactical Supply, and after passing their background check, he purchased an AR-15-style semi-automatic rifle. This wasn't the first weapon Nicholas was able to obtain. Prior to this purchase, he had obtained at least 10 other weapons, including an AK-47, which he bought with his mother, one shotgun, and several other rifles. Linda knew her son had a liking for guns and was okay with him purchasing them and practicing with them because even with as many issues she was having with Nicholas, she knew it would make him happy. Many students at the schools he attended would later say that Nicholas had anger management issues and would often joke about guns or gun violence and talk about threats of shooting up establishments. One student described him as being super stressed out all the time and talked about guns a lot and tried to hide his face. In September of 2017, Nicholas turned 19 years old. YouTuber Ben Benight, a Mississippi bail bondsman, noticed a comment made on one of his videos under the name Nicholas Cruz, which stated, I'm going to be a professional school shooter. 
Ben quickly reported this comment to the FBI, but the FBI could not track down the person who made the comment on his YouTube page. According to public records of the Broward County Sheriff's Log, at least 45 calls were made in reference to Nicholas Cruz, Zachary Cruz, or their family home from 2008 to 2017. In late 2017, Linda Cruz got sick with the flu and ultimately contracted pneumonia. She died at the age of 68 in November, leaving Nicholas and Zachary as orphans. Nicholas took her death especially hard, and with nowhere to live, the boys would end up staying with friends, with Nicholas and Zachary initially staying with a family friend, Roxanne Deschamps, in Lake Worth, Florida, a city about 30 miles north of Parkland. During that same time, one of Linda Cruz's cousins notified the Broward County Sheriff's Office that Nicholas had several rifles and that in light of Linda's death, they should be taken away. But no action was taken following the report. While Nicholas and Zachary were staying with Roxanne Deshaw, her son, Rock Deshaw, made a phone call to police telling them that Nicholas had been digging in the backyard for 15 minutes and Rock was positive he was hiding a weapon or that he buried a 9mm handgun. Later that month, Roxanne called 911 after Cruz and her son had gotten into a fight. She told them that Nicholas became violent, had punched walls, and had left to go and get a gun. An unknown caller from Massachusetts also apparently called the Broward County Sheriff's Office to tell them that Nicholas Cruz was collecting guns and knives and was either going to harm himself or become a school shooter. The deputy who took the call referred it to the Palm Beach Sheriff's Office as it's out of their jurisdiction since Nicholas lives in Lake Worth, Florida. According to the Palm Beach Sheriff's Office, they never received that call. After about a month of living with the Deshaws, Nicholas left and moved in with another friend's family, James and Kimberly Sneed. In January of 2018, the FBI received a tip from someone close to Nicholas Cruz saying that they were worried about his gun ownership, desire to kill people, erratic behavior, and disturbing social media posts, as well as the potential of him conducting a school shooting. They told the FBI that they were worried that Nicholas was going to be getting into a school and just shooting the place up. The FBI did not act on this warning as they said the tip line where the call was received did not follow protocol and report the information to the Miami field office. So again, no action was taken. It was a typical Wednesday morning on February 14, 2018 in the Sneed household. James Sneed was preparing to head to work and Kimberly Sneed was sleeping as she didn't start her nursing shift until the evening. Nicholas told James that he didn't need a ride to school that morning as he never went to school on Valentine's Day. He let him know that he would be going fishing instead. Nicholas had no plans of actually going fishing, but instead contacted an Uber driver and had the driver take him to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Wearing a burgundy polo shirt with the school's logo on its sleeve, black jeans, and a black ball cap, he was dropped off at the school at 2.19 p.m., shortly before school was to end for the day. 
Nicholas was carrying a rifle case and a black backpack that contained an AR-15 style semi-automatic rifle and multiple magazines with swastikas carved into them. As he entered the school grounds, he was immediately spotted by a staff member who recognized him and radioed a colleague to let them know that Nicholas was walking purposefully towards building number 12, a three-story building that contained 30 classrooms, usually occupied by approximately 900 students and 30 teachers. The staff member who spotted Cruz later claimed that their training only required them to report threats. Nicholas Cruz then pulled the fire alarm, which confused the students and staff as they had conducted a fire drill earlier that day. As people began to pour out of the classrooms, Nicholas Cruz started firing randomly at the students and teachers. At around 2.21 p.m., the staff member who had seen Cruz heard gunshots and activated a code red lockdown. There was an armed school resource officer who was a member of the Broward County Sheriff's Office that was on campus that day. He heard the shots but remained outside of Building 12 next to Building 7. As Nicholas began shooting on the first floor, he fired in the hallways and into four of the classrooms, killing 11 people. He then moved on to the second floor of the building and fired into two more classrooms, but did not kill anyone. He then went up to the third floor where he shot and killed six people in the hallway. He also tried to shoot through the windows to the outside, but the shots would not go through as the windows were hurricane resistant. During this time, James and Kimberly Sneed received a phone call from their son at around 2.30 p.m. They could hear their son was in a panic, saying that there was a school shooting. James Sneed hopped in his car and drove quickly to the school. While he was driving, James received a phone call from a SWAT captain. The SWAT team called me and asked where, if I knew where my son Nicholas was. And I said, he's not my son, but I don't know where he's at. And at that point, I got in touch with my son, who was fleeing the scene at that point. And um, a description came out, and uh, we put two and two together, me and my son, and we figured out what was happening and and what was going through your mind when this happened um, did you did you both find out at the same time no she was home mm-hmm. sleeping and um at that point i was panic stricken for her safety so i called the swat officer back to get the police back to my home to check on her while kimberly was at home sleeping the police arrived at her home when she opened the door police were standing there with guns drawn on her telling her to put her hands in the air and asking if she was alone in the house. As they searched her home, police then told her what was occurring at Stoneman Douglas High School. At this point, while on the third floor of Building 12, it's believed Nicholas's rifle jammed as the shooting came to a sudden stop. He dropped his rifle and backpack and ran out of the building, attempting to blend in with the other students exiting the campus. Still having no identity on the shooter, 
Authorities did not recognize or notice him leaving the school grounds. Nicholas casually walked over to a fast food restaurant, stopped at a mall to get a soda on the way, and hung out at the restaurant for a while before leaving at 3.01 p.m. At around 3.40 p.m., about an hour following the shootings, he was apprehended by police and arrested without incident in the neighboring city of Coral Springs. He was transported to a hospital emergency room with labored breathing, and once he was cleared to be released, he was booked into the Broward County Jail. We don't know, but we're, we're entering the building. The first 911 calls came in just before Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School let out for the day. Police, FBI, ATF all descending on the scene. We can't get to her. We can't get a hold of her. Have you called and you've texted nothing has come back? No. Her girlfriend got shot. We heard. There was confusion, panic, parents desperately waiting to find out had their child survived. It's devastating. I'm sick to my stomach. We have multiple casualties. A line of ambulances in place of school buses. Hours go by, students finally reuniting with their families, friends. And by the evening, we learned the toll. 17 dead, at least 14 injured. And more about the alleged shooter, a former student, Nicholas Cruz, who stole so much from so many. You come to the conclusion this is just absolutely pure evil. Students detailing those traumatic moments from inside. And all I heard was the gunshots. So we heard the gunshots. We uh, hid in the tennis courts. Talking about what they did as gunfire echoed in the hallways. All of a sudden I hear a sound that sort of sounds like a sort of like a garbage truck like banging. And all of a sudden I hear boom, boom, boom. I hear screaming everywhere. We ducked underneath my teacher's desk. And SWAT teams can be seen swarming the perimeter, searching for the gunman before moving inside. They are monitoring the subject right now. He went from the third floor to the second floor. Third to the second floor. He may have a gas mask on now. Students barricading themselves inside classrooms, closets, anywhere they could hide. Run for the everybody down! As officers go room to room. Please, please, some recording disturbing videos of the mayhem, many texting their parents. She keeps telling me to stay away. Be safe, mom, you stay away. And I'm like, and right I'm now. telling her, no, Crystal, I'm your, I'm your mother, I'm not staying away. Outside, controlled chaos. High schoolers streaming out of the building, some with their hands on their heads, heading for safety. I remember hearing this, somebody down the hall was screaming, like, help me. Come save me. My sister's still in there. She's texting me about it right now. She says to be quiet. Students' families outside, breathless, heart-wrenching reunions, while others frantically wait for answers. Some students and staff still unaccounted for. The family keeps texting her, and she's texting back, thank God. Are you a bit relieved? I'll be relieved when she comes out. What'd she tell you? No, she, she's crying. She can't say anything. She's crying a lot. This student recalling seeing her teacher shot. We saw his body for like 30 minutes. We were just like praying and crying and and then the police came and we just got out. This is a day that we prayed would never be here at Broward County, uh, but we're dealing with it and we're going to deal with it as a community. Around 4 p.m., the alleged gunman is taken into custody. This video showing the moments he's taken down. Sources later identify him to ABC News as 19-year-old former student Nicholas Cruz. 
He was a former student of Douglas High School. Uh, he got expelled for disciplinary reasons. I don't know the specifics. In the end, a total of 17 people had died and 17 others were injured. The pre-planning and intention of the event began to come to light when on May 30th, 2018, prosecutors released three videos to the public that Cruz had recorded on his cell phone just prior to the shooting. In an effort to memorialize his actions, in the videos, Nicholas states nonchalantly what his plans are at the school, says that he hates everyone, and how the shooting will make him known. My name is Nick, and I'm going to be the next school shooter of 2018. My goal is at least 20 people with an AR-15 and a couple trace rounds. I think I can do a good done. Location is Stone Douglas in Parkland, Florida. It's going to be a big event. And when you see me on the news, you'll all know who I am. <laughs> You're all going to die. Can't wait. Today is the day. The day that it all begins. The day of my massacre shall begin. All the kids in school will run in fear and hide. From the wrath of my power, they will know who I am. I am nothing. I am no one. My life is nothing and meaningless. Everything that I hold dear, I let go beyond your half. Every day I see the world ending another day. I live a lone life, live in seclusion and solitude. I hate everyone and everything. With the power of my AR, you will all know who I am. I had enough of being told what to do and when to do. I had enough of being telling me that I'm an idiot and a dumbass. But in real life, you're all the dumbass. You're all stupid and brainwashed by these and political government programs. You will all see, you will all know who my name is. On one day or another, you will end and we'll all die. Alright, so here's the plan. I'm going to go take an Uber in the afternoon before 2.40. From there, I'll go into the onto school campus, walk up the stairs, load my bags, and get my AR and shoot people down at the main, was it the main courtyard? Await and people will die. As police were interrogating Nicholas, his brother Zachary visited him in the interrogation room and asked him the question everyone wanted to know. Why? People think you're a monster now. A monster? You don't have anything, you're not acting like yourself. Why? Like, at least this is not who you are. Like, come on. What do you, why did you do this? This is. Don't even laugh at me. Dude, this is. Don't. Do you that think is. this is not even a game? You're not going to wake up and be out of here. I know. Why would you jeopardize that? Like, you're only 19. Do you, do you know how many years you had ahead of you? You know how many years you had? Years! You're stuck. You're still stuck in your teenage mindset, and you did this dumb shit. You, you're not thinking about your future, bro. Like, I mean, I just, 
I wish I could have prevented this because I feel like this is this is a big part of like mm-hmm. my fault also because you know I grew up we grew up together like I know I was I know I was the nicest to you I know I probably made you feel like shit and you told me that I'm, I'm pretty sure that you told me that I made you want to kill yourself or something I feel like shit because this is my brother like I love him I'm a failure dude I mean there's no question about it nah dude you're just you're lost you're not in your head like you're not you're not with yourself you're I feel like you're caught up in something like something in your head is not you're not right in the head that's that's for sure you're not right in the head after the shooting SWAT paramedics went inside the school building and additional paramedics from the local fire rescue department had also arrived but were not permitted to enter the building by the Broward Sheriff's Office, even after Cruz was in custody. When Cruz was held in custody, James and Kimberly Sneed were taken to see him. Here's Kimberly's account of the moment they first saw Nicholas after the shooting. It was at the um, police station when they were going past us, and I basically, I went after him. I really wanted to to strangle him (laughs) more than anything, and I just... Everything I wanted to say, just didn't, I, I tried to reserve myself. I was just, really, Nick, really, you know, yelled at him. And he mumbled something, but I didn't hear it. And he said he, he said he was sorry. He said he was sorry. But I didn't hear that. I was just furious and heartbroken. Uh, Absolutely, just heartbroken, devastated. I, I and still can't process it, what he's done, because this wasn't the person that we knew. Mm-hmm. Not at all. The school's surveillance cameras showed Cruz as the shooter, and he was also identified by eyewitnesses. When police brought him in for questioning, he confessed to the shootings and was charged with 17 counts of first-degree murder and 17 counts of attempted first-degree murder. Although he didn't provide a motive, the investigation, which included interviews of teachers, classmates, friends, associates, and relatives, uncovered his long history of disciplinary issues and reckless behavior. A trial date for Nicholas has been set, and jury selections began in January of 2020. His trial was due to begin on January 27, 2020, but has been indefinitely delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. As Cruz and his brother Zachary inherited life insurance from their deceased mother valued at $864,929, Cruz was unable to receive a public defender but had to pay for his own defense. If convicted of the charges, which a charge of not guilty was submitted on his behalf as he declined to enter a plea, he faces either the death penalty or life in prison without the possibility of parole. While being held in jail on November 13, 2018, Cruz got into an altercation with a jail officer and was charged with aggravated assault on an officer, battery on an officer, and use of an electric or chemical weapon against an officer as he pulled the officer's stun gun, although he didn't use it. Of the 17 people who died, 12 of the victims died inside of the school building Three of them died outside of the school building on school grounds, and two died in the hospital. The 14 students who lost their lives that day were Alyssa Oladef, 14. Alyssa was the captain of the Parkland Soccer Club. 
Martin Duque Anguiano, 14. Jamie Gutenberg, 14. Kara Logren, 14. Gina Montalto, 14. Elena Petty, 14. Alex Schachter, 14. Peter Wang, 15. Peter held doors open for students so they could get out, but was unable to flee with the other students when Cruz shot him. Luke Hoyer, 15. Carmen Shentrup, 16. Nicholas Dwaret, 17. Joaquin Oliver, 17. Helena Ramsey, 17. And Meadow Polak, 18. Meadow was shot four times and crawled to a classroom door, but was unable to get inside. Kara Logren was next to Meadow Polak. Meadow covered her and tried to shield her from the bullets. The shooter returned to the classroom and located Pollack and Logren, discharged his weapon five more times, and killed both girls. The three staff members who lost their lives to save their students were Scott Beagle, 35 years old. Scott was a geography teacher and was slain as he unlocked a classroom for students to enter and hide from the shooter. Aaron Feiss, 37 years old. Aaron was an assistant football coach and security guard. He dove in front of the students to shield them from the gunman. And Chris Hickson, 49 years old. Chris was an athletic director and wrestling coach and was shot as he ran toward the sound of the gunfire in an attempt to help fleeing students. Out of the injured victims, the last person to be discharged from the hospital was Anthony Borges on April 4, 2018. Anthony was nicknamed the Real Iron Man and was labeled a hero as he was shot five times after using his body to barricade a door to a classroom where 20 students were inside. The repercussions of the shooting continued when 13 months following the incident, a 19-year-old female student who was friends with Meadow Pollock committed suicide after having a difficult time attending college. She had been treated for PTSD and survivor's guilt and was terrified of being in a classroom. About a week following that incident, a 16-year-old male, who had also survived the shooting, died of an apparent suicide. In the aftermath of the shooting, the school district provided grief counseling to students and their families, as many were suffering from survivor's guilt and post-traumatic stress disorder. Two weeks following the shooting, Stoneman Douglas reopened with heavy police presence and backpacks were not allowed. Additional counseling and emotional support dogs were provided to the students. A review of the Broward County Public Schools website shows that Stoneman Douglas now has the following additional safety measures in place. Expansion of its video surveillance system, migration and enhancement of its radio system, an upgraded intercom system, and a new Office of Safety, Security, and Emergency Preparedness. The use of medical detectors was originally under consideration, but the plan was put on hold in late 2018. Building number 12, where the shooting took place, 
has since been demolished. As video footage and police reports began to circulate, it wasn't long before criticism in regards to campus security and police reaction that day started to emerge. The school resource officer, Scott Peterson, who was armed and in a Broward County Sheriff's Office deputy uniform that day, was accused of staying outside of Building 12 during the shooting. Eight days after the shooting, he was suspended without pay and he immediately retired. The sheriff stated that Scott should have been on campus for the entire event and should have entered the building, addressed and killed the shooter. A year and four months after the shooting and following interviews with 184 witnesses, Scott Peterson was arrested for failing to protect the students during the shooting. His charges included 11 charges of neglect of a child, culpable negligence and perjury. He pleaded not guilty and has filed a motion to have the charges dropped. His lawyer released a statement saying that Peterson believed the shooting was happening outside of the building and actually told this to the first police officer who arrived on the scene. He also radioed that he thought he heard shots fired in the 1200 building and advised police to not approach the 12 or 1300 building and to stay at least 500 feet away. Broward Sheriff's Office Captain Jan Jordan was also criticized for her actions as she had ordered her deputies to form a perimeter instead of entering the building and confronting the shooter. Jan Jordan resigned nine months following the incident for personal reasons. Coral Springs officers were the first officers to enter the building approximately four minutes after Nicholas had left the building and the campus. Officers had believed that Nicholas was still in the building due to a tape delay in the surveillance footage. Following the shootings, the Parkland student survivors pushed for changes in legislation on gun laws. The students founded the advocacy group Never Again MSD, which lobbies for legislative action on gun violence. In March of 2018, the Florida legislature passed a bill called the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Public Safety Act. The bill raised the minimum age for buying rifles to 21 years old. It also established waiting periods and background checks, provided a program for the arming of some school employees and hiring of school police, banned bump stocks, and barred some potentially violent or mentally unhealthy people arrested under certain laws from possessing guns. Retail gun sales were also affected by the shooting. Dick's Sporting Goods, Walmart, and Fred Meyer all raised the age requirement on gun purchases from 18 to 21. The NRA has challenged these new age requirements in court, alleging that it's unconstitutional. Millions of dollars in funds were raised for the Parkland shooting victims. Florida's Crime Victims Compensation Fund and the National Compassion Fund have been made available for the victims of the Parkland shooting, as well as GoFundMe accounts, with one raising over $10 million. In June of 2020, the U.S. Department of Justice announced an Anti-Terrorism and Emergency Assistance Program grant of $9.8 million to the victims of the shooting. Although millions of dollars have been allocated to the victims of this horrific event, 
The reality is that no amount of money can replace what these victims and their families have suffered. My hope is that as a society, we refuse to accept mass shootings as something that is part of our culture, but that we continue to work together to search for the root cause of the problem and for solutions. Thank you for listening. Please check out our website at thecrimeshack.com for the latest episodes, show notes, and merchandise. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Crime Shack Podcast and on Twitter at The Crime Shack.